President, it has been my great privilege to act as Montenegro's standing rapporteur for this parliament. It is a small but beautiful country with much to contribute to the world stage and undoubtedly a success story in the long and tortuous narrative of Western Balkan European accession. Indeed, the smooth conduct of science educational chapters and their negotiations so far is a, not only a testament to Montenegro's progress but offers a real signal to the Western Balkan and Western Balkan neighbours that enlargement does not stop with Croatia's accession. Hello listeners, we have just heard a short segment from a discourse of a Montenegro representative at the EU Parliament back in 2013. You may have a clue then on what we are going to discuss here today. Has the European project and what it represents reached its neighbours in the Western Balkans? What has been the effective social change in these countries since the transition from a planned economy to a market economy? In fact, the Western Balkans' six countries that we refer to, Albania, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Kosovo, Montenegro, Republic of North Macedonia and Serbia, are suited for comparison due to their socialist legacies and difficult nature of their social, economic and political transitions of the past decades. Our interest in these countries fits into a larger and broader subject of countries with a socialist tradition in Europe. For instance, Latvia and Lithuania, which previously integrated the Soviet Union and are now part of the European Union. In this episode, we will look in a more detail into the Western Balkans region and the prospects of their inclusion into the European bloc. All this keeping in mind the experiences of previous transitions away from centralized economies in countries like Hungary and Poland, now EU member states. Precisely. And however, in what comes to the Western Balkans, there are still some characteristics, part of the legacy of their socialist system, that have delayed their transition in comparison to the countries that you have uh, that have accessed already that you just mentioned, Bruna. In the Western Bar Balkans, there are still elements of state capture, for instance, which resulted in unfavorable social and economic outcomes, of course. But um, in terms of their stand in the race for accession to the EU, so to say, those are at different stages. For instance, Montenegro and Serbia are already negotiating on various chapters of the Aquis Communitari, while Albania and North Macedonia are waiting for the start of accession talks. And Bosnia and Herzegovina and Kosovo have yet to receive the candidate status. Yeah, indeed, but the European Commission has communicated its hope on the advancement of the enlargement of the EU. Yeah. However, that also calls for the Western Balkans that to redouble their efforts are as there are still vital reforms in these countries that need to be addressed to complete their political, economic and social transformation. Yes, there is indeed an indicative deadline, I believe 2025, for the admission yeah. to the EU of the two most advanced candidates uh, in the process, I mean, which are Serbia and Montenegro, as we just said. And this new political impulse is expected, I would say, to incentivize all other Western Balkan countries to remove domestic political obstacles to EU exception 
and accession and solve conflicts with neighbors and speed up reforms, accelerate economic growth. But um, of course, we should also keep in mind uh, that we are living a really difficult year, uh, which, yes. which composes a major shock to any country, which uh, for itself will translate likely in economic repercussions for many years. Yeah, and, and thinking about uh, easier accession or at least economic growth in any country is lower on the priority list when compared to dealing with the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. But um, also look at the other side of the coin. Like non-EU members also do not receive EU financial aid in what comes to some of the funds that are supporting more affected countries. And this can be a further incentive for non-EU members to accelerate reforms. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, definitely. And EU cohesion, cohesion funds, for instance, have allowed other transition countries, like you referred before, uh, Poland, Hungary, Czech Republic, which had received up until now a heavier percentage of these funds to build infrastructures at home, uh, roads, railroads, etc., that have expanded immensely intra-Europe trade, for instance, and also extra-Europe. And... Yet, now a bigger percentage of the EU budget in cohesion funds is going to be directed to other countries like Italy, Spain and uh, Romania, usually more southern countries, once the rules for receiving these funds have, have changed. Mm, yes, it will affect how funds are distributed until 2027 at least. Mm -hmm. uh, the EU is also aware of the strategic importance of the Western Balkan region, Geographically, the Western Balkans form a land bridge and make the shortest transit route between the southwest flank of the EU and also Central Europe. Yeah, I believe in the next five years we will really see uh, some new member states in the EU. I mean, it has been a few years since the last entrance, which was from Croatia in 2013. Actually, the Western Balkan economies are already pretty much integrated with the EU. Sure. For instance, the EU is its largest trade partner, and it's also a relevant source of foreign direct investment. Also, uh, monetary and financial systems in the region are really dependent on the euro. So I can see the new accession of these countries as being beneficial for both sides. Um, mm -hmm. However, the obstacles to doing business with the Western Balkans are still quite significant. For instance, um, there is massive competition with the informal sector. There are difficulties in assessing financing and also really importantly, the persistence of political instability. Yeah, very relevant point there. And that's also due to the fact that Western Balkan countries have started from a different stand in comparison to other countries that had shared the socialist rule past, but have already integrated into the EU. For instance, in the Western Balkans, the former Yugoslavia had a quite developed social protection infrastructure, but then the legacy of conflicts, instability, disaggregation, transition, that all destabilized the social protection um, institutions. And with the independence movements of its republics came major discontinuity in the Yugoslav Republic's capacity to guarantee social rights, rights to the population. 
I mean, this is not to say that it was a bad thing, the disintegration of Yugoslavia, of course not. I just mean this as a shock. And um, still today, the very slow progress in meeting the Maastricht criteria to join the EU is connected to the government effectiveness, rule of law, rule of law and control of corruption in this region. Yeah, well, all wrapped up with social problems too, yeah. especially inequality among individuals and also migration, including refugees. Mm-hmm. Actually, the migration trend, uh, especially of a highly educated population, which is known as brain drain, you know, mm-hmm. it's also an issue in this region. Yeah. Um, this brain drain is a consequence of the demographic changes that are also seen in other countries of Europe, more mature countries, but the aging population, the family transformations and changes in the labor market impact obviously more severely countries in this region because their institutions are just less developed. Exactly. That's exactly what you said. Like either brain drain, uh, corruption, labor market disruption, like all of that is also... Uh, we can refer also as problems in other countries in Europe, but as you said, institutions are quite less developed here. Um, And I mean, the black market, especially in this region, poses a strong competition for formal jobs and people just move abroad to work. Actually, remittances is coming from countries like Austria and Germany, where many migrants from the Western Balkans go to work with um, end up being an essential source of trade deficit finance for these Balkans. Mm. Sorry to diverge a little bit here, but I just remembered something that if we want to talk about financing, we should also mention China, right? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, but I'm afraid that if we start discussing the position of the Western Balkans between the EU, Russia and China, we'll create an incredibly long episode. Definitely, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but well, in short, maybe we just mentioned that there are several projects mostly connected to the Belt and Road Initiative, which we have actually made a podcast episode on too. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. in countries like Montenegro, Bosnia, North Macedonia, and Serbia. Actually, Serbia is of this group of countries, the one that receives the most Chinese investment. From 2015 uh, till last year, it totaled more than 10 billion US dollars. I am glad, actually, that you mentioned that because while discussing EU politics and EU accession, we seem incapable of ignoring also the role of other third countries in the region. Um, Thank you, listeners, for joining us once again. We are approaching the end of this podcast series. Oh, my God. Oh, which is both (laughs) rewarding and sad. No, no, let's not get sad about that, at least... For now, it it has been a pleasure. Um, See you on the next episode.